Section 2 of the Heidelberg Catechism. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Heidelberg Catechism by Zacharias Ursinus and Caspar Olivianus. Section 2 Of God the Holy Ghost. 20 Lord's Day. Question 53. What dost thou believe concerning the Holy Ghost? Answer. First, that he is true and co-eternal God with the Father and the Son, A. Secondly, that he is also given me, B. To make me, by a true faith, partaker of Christ and all his benefits, C. That he may comfort me, D. And abide with me forever, E. A. 1 John 5.7, Genesis 1.2 Isaiah 48.16, 1 Corinthians 3.16, 1 Corinthians 6.19, Acts 5.3 and 4. B. Galatians 4.6, Matthew 28.19 and 20, 2 Corinthians 1.21 and 22, Ephesians 1.13. C. Galatians 3.14, 1 Peter 1.2, 1, 1 Corinthians 6.17. D. Acts 9.31. John fifteen twenty six, e, John fourteen sixteen, First Peter four fourteen. Twenty one Lord's Day. Question fifty four, what believest thou concerning the Holy Catholic Church of Christ? Answer, that the Son of God, a, from the beginning to the end of the world, b, gathers, defends, and preserves, c to himself by his spirit and word, d, out of the whole human race, e, a church chosen to everlasting life, f, agreeing in true faith, g, and that I am and forever shall remain, h, a living member thereof, i. a. Ephesians 5.26, John 10.11, Acts 20.28, 20, Ephesians 4.11-13, b. Psalm seventy one seventeen and eighteen, Isaiah fifty nine twenty one, First Corinthians eleven twenty six, C, Matthew sixteen eighteen, John ten twenty eight to thirty, Psalm one twenty nine one through five, D, Isaiah fifty nine twenty one, Romans one sixteen, Romans ten fourteen to seventeen, Ephesians five twenty six, E. Genesis 26.4, Revelation 5.9. F. Romans 8.29 and 30, Ephesians 1.10-13. G. Acts 2.46, Ephesians 4.3-6. H. Psalm 23.6, 1 Corinthians 1.8 and 9, John 10.28, 1 John 2.19, 1 Peter 1.5. I. 1 John 3.14 and 19-21, to 21, 2 Corinthians 13.5, Romans 8.10. Question 55. What do you understand by the communion of saints? Answer. First, that all and everyone who believes, being members of Christ, are in common partakers of him and all of his riches and gifts. A. Secondly, that every one must know it to be his duty, readily and cheerfully, to employ his gifts, for the advantage and salvation of other members. b. a. 
1 John 1.3, 1 Corinthians 1.9, Romans 8.32, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13, 1 Corinthians 6.17. b. 1 Corinthians 12.21, 1 Corinthians 13.1 and 5, Philippians 2.4 through 8. Question 56. What believest thou concerning the forgiveness of sins? Answer. That God, for the sake of Christ's satisfaction, will no more remember my sins, neither my corrupt nature, against which I have to struggle all my life long, a, but will graciously impute to me the righteousness of Christ, b, that I may never be condemned before the tribunal of God, c, a, 1 John 2.2, 2, 1 John 1.7, 2 Corinthians 5.19 and 21, b, Jeremiah 31, 34, Psalm 103, 3 and 4, Psalm 103, 10 and 12, Micah 7, 19 and 23 through 25. C. Romans 8, 1 through 4, John 3, 18, John 5, 24. 22 Lord's Day. Question 57. What comfort does the resurrection of the body afford thee? Answer. That not only my soul after this life shall be immediately taken up to Christ its head, eh? But also that this my body, being raised by the power of Christ, shall be united with my soul, and made like unto the glorious body of Christ. B. A. Luke 16.22, Luke 23.43, Philippians 1.21 and 23. B. 1 Corinthians 15, 53 and 54, Job 19, 25 and 26, 1 John 3, 2, Philippians 3, 21. Question 58. What comfort takest thou from the article of life everlasting? Answer. That, since I now feel in my heart the beginning of eternal joy, eh? After this life I shall inherit perfect salvation, which, quote, I has not seen, nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, end quote, to conceive, and that to praise God therein forever, b. a. 2 Corinthians 5, 2 and 3, b. 1 Corinthians 2, 9, John 17, 3. 23 Lord's Day. Question 59. But what does it profit thee, now that thou believest all this? Answer. That I am righteous in Christ before God, and an heir of eternal life. A. A. Habakkuk 2.4, Romans 1.17, John 3.36. Question 60. How are thou righteous before God? Answer. Only by a true faith in Jesus Christ. A. So that, Though my conscience accuse me that I have grossly transgressed all the commandments of God, and kept none of them, b, and I am still inclined to all evil, c, notwithstanding, God, without any merit of mine, d, but only of mere grace, e, grants and imputes to me, f, the perfect satisfaction, g, righteousness and holiness of Christ, h, even so, as if I never had had, nor committed any sin, yea, as if I had fully accomplished all that obedience which Christ has accomplished for me, I, 
inasmuch as I embrace such benefit with a believing heart. J. A. Romans 3, 21-25 and 28. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Galatians 2, 16. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Philippians 3, 9. B. Romans 3, 9. C. Romans 7, 23. D. Titus 3, 5. Deuteronomy 9, 6. Ezekiel 36, 22. E. Romans 3, 24. Ephesians 2, 8. F. Romans 4, 4 and 5. 2 Corinthians 5, 19. G. 1 John 2, 2. H. 1 John 2, 1. I. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. J. Romans 3.22, John 3.18 Question 61 What sayest thou, that thou art righteous by faith only? Answer. Not that I am acceptable to God on account of the worthiness of my faith, but because only the satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ is my righteousness before God, a, and that I cannot receive and apply the same to myself, any other way than by faith only. B. A. 1 Corinthians one thirty. 1 Corinthians 2.2. 2. B. 1 John 5.10. 24 Lord's Day. Question 62. But why cannot our good works be the whole or part of our righteousness before God? Answer because that the righteousness which can be approved of before the tribunal of God must be absolutely perfect, a, and in all respects conformable to the divine law, and also that our best works in this life are all imperfect and defiled with sin, b, a, Galatians 3.10, Deuteronomy 27.26, b, Isaiah 64.6. 6. Question 63. What, do not our good works merit, which yet God will reward in this and in a future life? Answer. This reward is not of merit, but of grace. A. A. Luke 17.10 Question 64. But does not this doctrine make men careless and profane? Answer. By no means. For it is impossible that those who are implanted into Christ by a true faith should not bring forth fruits of thankfulness. A. A. Matthew 7.18, John 15.5 Of the Sacraments 25. Lord's Day Question 65 Since then we are made partakers of Christ and all his benefits by faith only, Whence does this faith proceed? Answer. From the Holy Ghost, A, who works faith in our hearts by the preaching of the gospel and confirms it by the use of the sacraments, B. A. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, Ephesians 6, 23, John 3, 5, Philippians 1, 29. B. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, 1 Peter 1, 22 and 23. Question 66. What are the sacraments? Answer. The sacraments are wholly visible signs and seals, appointed of God for this end, that by the use thereof he may the more fully declare and seal to us the promise of the gospel, that is, 
that he grants us freely the remission of sin and life eternal for the sake of that one sacrifice of christ accomplished on the cross a a genesis seventeen eleven romans four eleven deuteronomy thirty verse six leviticus six twenty five hebrews nine seven through nine and twenty four ezekiel twenty verse twelve isaiah six six and seven isaiah fifty four nine question sixty seven are both word and sacraments then ordained and appointed for this end that they may direct our faith to the sacrifice of jesus christ on the cross as the only ground of our salvation a answer yes indeed for the holy ghost teaches us in the gospel and assures us by the sacraments that the whole of our salvation depends upon that one sacrifice of christ which he offered for us on the cross a romans six three galatians three twenty seven question sixty eight how many sacraments has christ instituted in the new covenant or testament answer two namely holy baptism and the holy supper of holy baptism twenty six lord's day question sixty nine how art thou admonished and assured by holy baptism that the one sacrifice of christ upon the cross is of real advantage to thee answer thus that christ appointed this external washing with water a adding thereto this promise b that i am as certainly washed by his blood and spirit from all the pollution of my soul that is from all my sins c as i am washed externally with water by which the filthiness of the body is commonly washed away. A. Matthew 28.19 B. Matthew 28.19 Acts 2.38 Matthew 3.11 Mark 16.16 16, John 1.33 Romans 6.3-4 C. 1 Peter 3.21 Mark 1.4 Luke 3.3 3. Question 70 what is it to be washed with the blood and spirit of christ answer it is to receive of god the remission of sins freely for the sake of christ's blood which he shed for us by his sacrifice upon the cross a and also to be renewed by the holy ghost and sanctified to be members of christ that so we may more and more die unto sin and lead holy and unblameable lives b a Hebrews 12.24, 1 Peter 1.2, Revelation 1.5, Revelation 7.14, Zechariah 13.1, Ezekiel 36.25. b. John 1.33, John 3.5, 1 Corinthians 6.11, 1 Corinthians 12.13, Romans 6.4, Colossians 2.12. Question 71 where has christ promised us that he will as certainly wash us by his blood and spirit as we are washed with the water of baptism answer in the institution of baptism which is thus expressed quote, go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost and quote matthew twenty eight nineteen and quote, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, 
but he that believeth not shall be damned. End quote. Mark 16.16 16. This promise is also repeated where the scripture calls baptism, quote, the washing of regenerations, end quote, and the washing away of sins, Titus 3.5, Acts 22.16. A. A. Titus 3.5, Acts 22.16. 27 Lord's Day. Question 72. Is then the external baptism with water the washing away of sin itself? Answer. Not at all. A. For the blood of Jesus Christ only and the Holy Ghost cleanse us from all sin. B. A. Matthew 3.11, 1 Peter 3.21, Ephesians 5.26 and 27. B. 1 John 1.7, 1, 1 Corinthians 6.11. Question 73. Why then does the Holy Ghost call baptism the washing of regeneration and the washing away of sins? Answer. God speaks thus not without great cause, to wit, not only thereby to teach us that as the filth of the body is purged away by water, so our sins are removed by the blood and spirit of Jesus Christ, a. But especially that by this divine pledge and sign, he may assure us that we are spiritually cleansed from our sins, as really as we are externally washed with water, b. a. Revelation 1.5, Revelation 7.14, 1 Corinthians 6.11, b. Mark 16.16, 16, Galatians 3.27. Question 74. Are infants also to be baptized? Answer. Yes, for since they, as well as the adult, are included in the covenant and church of God, a, and since redemption from sin, b, by the blood of Christ and the Holy Ghost, the author of faith, is promised to them no less than to the adult, c, they must therefore by baptism, as a sign of the covenant, be also admitted into the Christian church and be distinguished from the children of unbelievers, d, as was done in the Old Covenant or Testament by circumcision, e, instead of which baptism is instituted, f, in the New Covenant. a. Genesis 17.7 b. Matthew 19.14 c. Luke 1.15, Psalm 22.10, Isaiah 44.1-3, Acts 2.39 d. Acts 10.47 E. Genesis 17.14 F. Colossians 2.11-13 Of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ 28 Lord's Day Question 75 How art thou admonished and assured in the Lord's Supper that thou art a partaker of that one sacrifice of Christ accomplished on the cross and of all his benefits. Answer. Thus, that Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat of this broken bread and to drink of this cup in remembrance of him, adding these promises, a. First, that his body was offered and broken on the cross for me, and his blood shed for me, as certainly as I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord broken for me, and the cup communicated to me. And further, that he feeds and nourishes my soul to everlasting life with his crucified body and shed blood, 
as assuredly as I receive from the hands of the minister, and taste with my mouth the bread and the cup of the Lord, as certain signs of the body and blood of Christ. A. Matthew 26, 26-28, Mark 14, 22-24, Luke 22, 19-20, 1 Corinthians 10, 16 and 17, 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 25, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Question 76. What is it then to eat the crucified body and drink the shed blood of Christ? Answer. It is not only to embrace with believing heart all the sufferings and death of Christ and thereby to obtain the pardon of sin and life eternal, eh? but also, besides that, to become more and more united to his sacred body, b, by the Holy Ghost, who dwells both in Christ and in us, so that we, though Christ is in heaven, c, and we on earth, are notwithstanding, quote, flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone, d, and that we live and are governed forever by one spirit, e, as members of the same body are by one soul. a. John six thirty five forty forty seven to fifty four B John six fifty five to fifty six C Colossians three one Acts three twenty one first Corinthians eleven twenty six D Ephesians three sixteen Ephesians five twenty nine thirty thirty two first Corinthians six fifteen seventeen nineteen first John three twenty four first John four thirteen John fourteen twenty three, e, John six fifty six to fifty eight, John fifteen one to six, Ephesians four fifteen to sixteen. Question seventy seven. Where has Christ promised that He will as certainly feed and nourish believers with His body and blood, as they eat of this broken bread and drink of this cup? Answer. In the institution of the supper, which is thus expressed, a, quote, The Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he brake it, and said, Eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye, as often as ye drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. End quote. 1 Corinthians 11, 23-26 This promise is repeated by the holy apostle Paul, where he says, quote, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. End quote. 1 Corinthians 10, 16 and 17. A. 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 25, Matthew 26, 26 to 28, Mark 14, 22 to 24, Luke 22, 19 and 20, 1 Corinthians 10, 16 and 17. 29 Lord's Day Question 78 Do then the bread and wine become the very body and blood of Christ? Answer. Not at all. A. But as the water in baptism is not changed into the blood of Christ, 
neither is the washing away of sin itself, being only the sign and confirmation thereof appointed of God, be, so the bread in the Lord's Supper is not changed into the very body of Christ, c. Though agreeably to the nature and properties of sacraments, d. It is called the body of Christ Jesus. a. Matthew 26.29 b. Ephesians 5.26, Titus 3.5 c. Mark 14.24, 1 Corinthians 10.16.17 and 26-28 d. Genesis 17, 10, 11, 14, and 19. Exodus 12, 11, 13, 27, 43, and 48. Exodus 13, 9, 1 Peter 3, 21, 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 4. Question 79. Why then doth Christ call the bread his body, and the cup his blood, or the new covenant in his blood? and Paul the communion of body and blood of Christ. Answer. Christ speaks thus, not without great reason, namely, not only thereby to teach us that as bread and wine support this temporal life, so his crucified body and shed blood are the true meat and drink, whereby our souls are fed to eternal life, a. Eh? But more especially by these visible signs and pledges to assure us that we are as really partakers of his true body and blood by the operation of the Holy Ghost as we receive by the mouths of our bodies these holy signs in remembrance of him, b, and that all his sufferings and obedience are as certainly ours as if we had in our own persons suffered and made satisfaction for our sins to God. a. John six fifty one and 55 b. 1 Corinthians ten sixteen and 17 30 Lord's Day. Question 80. What difference is there between the Lord's Supper and the Popish Mass? Answer. The Lord's Supper testifies to us that we have a full pardon of all sin by the only sacrifice of Jesus Christ, which he himself has once accomplished on the cross, a. And that we by the Holy Ghost are engrafted into Christ, b who, according to his human nature, is now not on earth, but in heaven, at the right hand of God his Father, c, and will there be worshipped by us, d. But the Mass teaches that the living and dead have not the pardon of sins through the sufferings of Christ, unless Christ is also daily offered for them by the priests, and further, that Christ is bodily under the form of bread and wine, and therefore is to be worshipped in them, so that the Mass, at bottom, is nothing else than a denial of the one sacrifice and sufferings of Jesus Christ, and an accursed idolatry, e. a. Hebrews 7.27, Hebrews 9.12 and 25-28, Hebrews 10, 10 and 12-14, John 19.30, Matthew 26.28, Luke 22.19 and 20. b. 1 Corinthians 6.17, 1 Corinthians 10.16 c. Hebrews 1.3, Hebrews 8.1 and 2, John 20.17 d. Matthew 6.20 and 21, John 4.21 through 24, Luke 24.52, Acts 7.55 and 56, Colossians 3.1, Philippians 3.20 and 21, 1 Thessalonians 1.10, 
Hebrews 9, 6-10. e. Hebrews 9, 26, Hebrews 10, 12, 14, and 19-31. Question 81. For whom is the Lord's Supper instituted? Answer. For those who are truly sorrowful for their sins, and yet trust that these are forgiven them for the sake of Christ, and that their remaining infirmities are covered by his passion and death, and who also earnestly desire to have their faith more and more strengthened, and their lives more holy, but hypocrites, and such as turn not to God with sincere hearts, eat and drink judgment to themselves. A. A. 1 Corinthians 10, 19-22, 1 Corinthians 11, 28 and 29. Question 82. Are they also to be admitted to this supper, who, by confession and life, declare themselves unbelieving and ungodly? Answer. No, for by this the covenant of God would be profaned, and his wrath kindled against the whole congregation. A. Therefore it is the duty of the Christian church, according to the appointment of Christ and his apostles, to exclude such persons, by the keys of the kingdom of heaven, till they show amendment of life. a. 1 Corinthians 11, 20 and 34, Isaiah 1, 11 through 15, Isaiah 66, 3, Jeremiah 7, 21 through 23, Psalm 50, verse 16. 31 Lord's Day. Question 83. What are the keys of the kingdom of heaven? Answer. The preaching of the Holy Gospel and Christian discipline or excommunication out of the Christian Church. By these two, the kingdom of heaven is opened to believers and shut against unbelievers. Question 84. How is the kingdom of heaven opened and shut by the preaching of the Holy Gospel? Answer. Thus, when according to the command of Christ, it is declared and publicly testified to all and every believer that, whenever they receive the promise of the gospel by a true faith, all their sins are really forgiven them of God, for the sake of Christ's merits. And on the contrary, when it is declared and testified to all unbelievers, and such as do not sincerely repent, that they stand exposed to the wrath of God and eternal condemnation, so long as they are unconverted, a according to which testimony of the gospel God will judge them, both in this and in the life to come. a. Matthew 16, 18 and 19, Matthew 18, 15 through 19, John 20, 21 through 23. Question 85. How is the kingdom of heaven shut and opened by Christian discipline? Answer. Thus, when according to the command of Christ, those who under the name of Christians maintain doctrines or practices inconsistent therewith, and will not, after having been often brotherly admonished, renounce their errors and wicked course of life, are complained of to the church or to those who are thereunto appointed by the church. And if they despise their admonition, are by them forbidden the use of the sacraments, whereby they are excluded from the Christian church, and by God himself from the kingdom of Christ. And when they promise and show real amendment, are again received as members of Christ and his church. A. A. Matthew 18, 15-18, 1 Corinthians 5, 2-5, and 11. 
Second Thessalonians three fourteen and fifteen, Second Corinthians two six through eight. End of section two.